I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 13, My Work Shall Go Forth, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 3, 4, and 5. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Welcome... Um, so I have a newborn and he is taking a nap literally right behind me. So you might hear some tiny little baby noises. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of digging them. My favorite is when babies sneeze, like newborns, when they sneeze, they sneeze a couple of times. And sometimes that last sneeze isn't quite a sneeze and they go, Ooh, and it's my favorite thing. And this is my fourth kid. And I've been trying for years to get it on camera because it's the cutest thing in the world and I have yet to be successful. Someday I'm going to get it. It may not even end up being my own kid, but I'm going to get that footage, dagnabbit. <laughs> okay, so Doctrine and Covenants, uh, sections 3 through 5. We've got some really cool stuff here. First of all, let's start off with the nature of God and Christ. What do we learn about them in these sections? Um, and the one, the first thing I want to point out is in section three, verses seven and eight, we learn God always keeps his word. Men do not. Um, Satan particularly is notorious for making all of the promises. You do the wrong things and then he drops you like a hot potato. Um, and so I love these verses particularly because they talk about how we should not fear man more than God. And I think that it's really easy for us to fall into that trap because men are here now, right? We're dealing with the repercussions of our choices. Men are men have immediate consequences, whereas God, he's in it for the long game. And he doesn't, our, the consequences we suffer from not listening to him are not always immediate, um, but they do always come. And he always keeps his promises. And that's the same for the promises as well, is that a lot of the times they don't happen right away. They happen in the long term. Um, so I think it's important to keep that in mind. Okay, Ver, um, section 3, verse 10. God understands man's imperfect nature, okay? He not only knows that we're going to mess up, he very much expects it. He has, that's why there are many plans in place. That's why he asks us to do things that we don't understand, like having Nephi record things that he was like, my dad already wrote this down. Why am I writing this down? I don't know. Heavenly Father told me to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, and I think it's important that... Um, we keep in mind that Heavenly Father knows we're going to make mistakes and he is also always willing to forgive us as long, this is like the condition here, as long as we repent and we keep trying our best to follow him. Um, there is none of the, like, there's none of the, you can't pull a fast one on God, right? Like you can't pull a fast one. You can't go through life knowing you're making bad choices, knowing you're, um, knowing that there are better choices you could be making. And then at the very end of it being like, mm, just kidding. Sorry about it. Um, 
I'm, I'm still going to make it to the celestial kingdom, right? Like, that's not going to work. Um, you have to be continually trying your best, continually making the most effort that you can, right? Um, moving on to section five, verse five, um, kind of in that same note that God, while very merciful, is also a just God, right? And so the things that, um, it says, woe unto, um, yeah, woe shall come unto the inhabitants of the earth if they will not hearken unto my words. So if you're not a good listener, woe, woe is a coming. <laughs> okay. And then in section five, verse 16, um, I really like this, this verse. I feel like as with miracles, faith must come before the confirmation of like before the manifestation of the spirit, if that makes sense. Um, Heavenly Father knows that faith plus actions will build a foundation for your testimony. It will build a solid foundation for your testimony. Um, whereas proof, manifestations, miracles alone, without that faith and actions first, they're not going to do anything, right? The classic example is Laman and Lemuel um, from the Book of Mormon. I mean, how many angels did they see? How many divine interventions did they witness? And still they were like, mm, no, I think Nephi's making it all up because he wants to rule over us. Like, you have to have the faith first. Um, and I think throughout these verses particularly, um, and in this in this, uh, in these sections, Martin Harris, for me personally, reading about Martin Harris, I feel like he was very much, um, looking for that proof. He wanted solid, tangible proof and he got it, but he still didn't get it. If that makes any sense. Um, and so I love the idea that if you believe on his words, then you will be visited with the manifestation of his spirit, right? Um, if you are just like, well, maybe, I don't know. You've got to put the action forward. Um, okay. And then the last verse I want to reference in terms of the nature of God in Christ is um, section five, verses 33 through 35. Um, and this is... The fact that God sees all. He genuinely wants to guide us. He genuinely um, sees what's going to happen, right? And it's so funny because I remember growing up and being like, wait a minute. If God sees what we're going to do, if like we already, if he already knew the 116 pages were going to be lost, then do we have agency? Isn't this all just predetermined? And it wasn't until I became a parent not a parent, but like a parent that it became apparent <laughs> to me exactly what it is that Heavenly Father is dealing with in like a super small, like comparison. But I can look at my kids and I can watch my kids. And because I know their personalities, because I know the tendencies of two-year-olds or four-year-olds or six-year-olds, I can watch them in a situation and tell you what is most likely going to happen because I know that child and I know that age and I know what 
choices are most likely going to be made in this particular circumstance. And I feel like Heavenly Father has that same thing. He knows us so well that he knows what choices we're very likely to make. Um, and I would like to think that sometimes, not that we surprise him, but that we always have the ability to make other choices. Um, but he is aware of the choice we're most likely to make. And so he makes plans to um, ensure that his work continues whether we make good choices or not, right? There's always going to be somebody who is making good choices that will continue the work of God. Um, anyway, so in these verses, I love the idea that sometimes Heavenly Father will ask us to do things that we don't understand and um, they will always be for our good. Um, when I was growing up in Hawaii, uh, I would go, this was after I graduated high school, I really got into surfing for a bit. Loved it. It's amazing. That's probably the thing I miss the most is just the ocean and surfing. There were many times, I'm not going to lie, there were many times I'd be out surfing. It'd be a perfect day. Water is super glassy. The waves are super smooth. Like there's not a lot of people out. Like everything is super, it's a perfect surf day. And I'd be out there for 10, maybe 15 minutes. Usually I would surf about an hour or two and I'd be out there for about 10 or 15 minutes and I would get this feeling you need to go in. And I was like, what? But it's perfect. And it would come. You need to go in. It's time to go in. And I'm like, fine. And I always went in because I was like, I'm, I'm not going to fight it. Like I, I'll be a good listener. I will go in. Okay. It was not until after we moved I found out that the area that I loved surfing at, just like 50 meters or so beyond the break, like the beyond the farthest break, was a tiger shark nursery, meaning lots of little baby tiger sharks swam around there. And they were infamous for going and snapping at toes of surfers in the area. I probably would have never died, um, but I might have lost a toe or two if I had not been a good listener. And I never had any encounters. I never even saw a shark in the ocean, except for the one time that we went shark diving. Like we went in a cage with the sole purpose of looking for sharks. Never saw a shark, um, I, except for that dive. But my point is, is sometimes we're asked to do things that we don't understand. And sometimes after so much time, we do understand why we were asked to do the thing. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we never know. And I have a feeling it'll be one of those things where we'll die. And we'll go up to Heavenly Father and be like, okay, I want to know, why did I do, why did you ask me to do this thing at this time? And he'll be like, oh, because of this. Um, at least I hope so, because I got lots of questions. <laughs> um, and then the last part I wanted to touch on, um, the Come Follow Me suggests reading The Power of Scripture by Richard D. Scott from the October 2011 conference. And I wanted to read this um, sec little section, segment, quotation, whatever, from it. Um, he says, Our Father in Heaven understood that for us to make desired progress during our mortal prohibition, oh my gosh, probation, can't talk today, we would need to face difficult challenges. Some of these would be almost overpowering. And I've always loved the idea that, because I feel like in church, a lot of the times we say, 
oh, Heavenly Father will never give you anything you can't handle. And I think I've talked about this before, but I've always loved the idea that he will never give you anything you can't handle without him, right? Like if you try to handle this particular challenge alone, no, you can't handle it. You're a human being with a human brain and a human heart, and you can't handle this particular challenge by yourself, but you can handle it and you can take it and you are strong enough to handle it with the help of heavenly father and Christ and the atonement. Um, and I've always loved that concept of it's almost overpowering, right? As long as you're leaning on those powers of heavenly father, Christ, the atonement, it will not be completely overpowering, right? You will make it through it. Okay. So moving on to the plan of salvation. What are we learning about the plan of salvation? Um, Doctrine and Covenants section 4 verse 2. Um, we're asked to serve God with everything we have and everything we are. And I kind of want to add a reference here to Mosiah chapter 4 verse 24. Um, he says, this is uh, King Benjamin talking and he says, I mean you all. I mean all you who deny the beggar because you have not. I would that ye say in your hearts that I give not because I have not, but if I had, I would give, right? And so this is the concept I want to add here. So what if you lack in heart, might, mind, or strength? And I'm going to focus on two of these. I tend to think of might and strength as very physical attributes, and if I have to personally serve God with my might and strength, I have very little to offer. I always joke that my push-ups are all push and no up. <laughs> I'm just sitting there pushing at the floor, grunting, and nothing is happening. Okay. But then my English brain, because we go there, right, turns to a homonym of might, might, M-I-T-E. Don't Google it. It will give you pictures of grody little bugs. I'm talking about the might as in the widow's might, right? Um, and it wasn't valued by God because it was a grand amount. In actual, in actuality, the term might, if you look, if you look up define might, like I said, you'll get pictures of bugs, but if you look further down, um, it means a very small amount. Okay. So it was not valued by God because it was this big grand thing. It was valued by God because it was everything she had, right? And so I love reminding myself that God doesn't judge us and our service and our everything based on comparison of what someone else's everything looks like, right? What the efforts of all of my heart, might, mind, and strength look like are very probably going to look very different from what your fullness of effort of your heart, might, mind, and strength are going to look like, right? They're going to look different because we have different things to offer. And Nephi had physical strength that he could offer. He was mighty and great in stature, mighty in stature. I'm not. I'm not. I literally, my physical strength is pushing babies out. <laughs> that's literally, that's, that's it. At the end, I have no other physical strength. Um, and so I think it's important to note that your might, mind, and strength, it's about what you have to offer 
not what you see someone else offer and thinking, I don't have that. I, I don't have enough, right? Think of the widow's mite. And it's not about giving a certain amount. It's about giving your personal everything. Okay. Um, and then the last two things in the, um, or just kidding, three in the um, section about plan of salvation. Um, section four, verses three and five. Um, I like the idea that we don't have to, this is this section, this part talks about, we don't have to wait for a calling to serve. We don't have to wait for a particular skill set to serve. All we need, all that is necessary to serve is a desire to serve and then to have faith, hope, charity, love, and your sole purpose in doing this is to glorify God. And I think it's important to note that none of those things, faith, hope, charity, love, the sole purpose to glorify God, you don't have to have a degree to do those things. You don't have to read a specific, you know, um, textbook. I mean, you should read the scriptures, obviously. But there's no course that you have to take. There's no program that you have to get or a certificate or, you know, you can do those things right now. You don't have to wait for something specific. Um, and then one more quotation from the, um, power of scripture by elder Scott, which by the way, if you didn't know, um, Scott is what we ended up naming our baby. So, okay. Scriptures can calm an agitated soul, giving peace, hope, and a restoration of confidence in one's ability to overcome the challenges of life. So if you're feeling run down, like you don't have enough to offer, that is not the spirit talking to you. That is Satan talking to you and filling your head with lies. And you need to tell him to hush up and turn to your scriptures, which will help you. Like if you look, I think sometimes our brains have a tendency to look at the people in the scriptures and be like, oh my gosh, they were these spiritual giants. And we forget and that at, while some of them absolutely were spiritual giants, most of them were just like normal people who were put in really strange situations and asked to do things that Heavenly Father asked them to do, and they did them. And sometimes they didn't do them. Sometimes they wandered in the wilderness for a while because they weren't good listeners, um, like I am sometimes. Not always a great listener. I try to be, but not always great at it. Okay, so last thing um, for this I love to come follow me had this little note and it says, you may note that in addition to rebuking Joseph Smith, the Lord spake words of mercy. And it asks you, what can we learn from the way the Lord both corrected and encouraged Joseph? And I thought immediately of like parenting my own children, of course. Um, and then also this idea that we can take, take correction and it is done with love, right? It's always done, again, for our benefit. So application, ultimately, I felt like the biggest thing in this, when you're reading about, you know, the um, life of Martin Harris, If you, the other thing that it suggests is you read, it's got a little thing, um, the contributions of Martin Harris. And between reading that and reading the talk and reading the sections, I felt like the big message here was when in doubt, trust God, trust Christ, because they're not going to let you down, right? Man will always let you down, man. I asked my husband this. I was like, why? 
why did Oliver Cowdery, why did Martin Harris, like, they saw the plates. They were right there with Joseph. Like, why did they leave? Like, they never denied anything, but they left the church, and I, I just don't understand. He goes, well, from what I understand, they lost faith in Joseph, and he was just too human for them. Um, and I think ultimately as wonderful and incredible as our prophets are, they are still human. They are still going to make mistakes. And that's why it's so like infinity, infinity important to put all of our faith and to have our foundation of our testimony in God and in Christ and in the atonement, because that will never let you down. None of that will ever let you down. Um, and so that's my message. I'm leaving you, you today. When in doubt, trust God, trust Christ. And I will see you next week.